It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is the 26th of October 2022. This is the COB, the stuff you know need to know about the day in markets, business, and I guess today, Scuddy, the budget. Yeah, the budget. Uh, laying the foundation for a tougher conversation, I dare say, to come next year. Uh, yeah, no real surprises from uh, Jim Chalmers. Uh, that's probably a welcome thing, given the level of uncertainty we've had, but uh, at the same time, Still a pretty bleak outlook being painted, and uh, yeah, it sets the tone. It does set the tone. It sets the tone for tougher conversations about reform. Uh, Jennifer Westacott from the BCA, you can listen to the interview in the show notes, so I don't need to go into it in detail, but look, counting down the days, it sounds like, until the May budget, but between now and then, wants to get some real conversations going on reforms that can be made to improve productivity and to encourage business investment, but she does admit that you know businesses have to play a proactive part into not just the conversation but actually getting on and doing things getting on with the job um but but you know through the conversations today particularly with business and industry groups scuddy you get the feeling that ir this industrial uh, relations reforms are going to be the next battleground between the government and business yeah, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because uh, I mentioned a couple of times on air today that the current uh, no, labour force, you know, when you look at the, uh, what's, what's happened there over uh, the last decade or so, we've got a record proportion of Australians participating in the workforce. We've got a record number of Australians in the workforce, number of record Australians in employment, and uh, the, uh, the actual ratio of people of working age population to employment is uh, near enough at record highs as well. So some pretty decent figures coming through there. Wage growth has been that stubborn uh, fly in the ointment, and I think that's where the battle ground is going to be probably, I know, done for this debate moving forward because that's going to be the area that I think that I know there's a real consensus to try and boost it in one way or another. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about wages, and that makes me think about the inflation read that came out at 11.30, beating expectations both on the headline number and the trimmed mean which is what the RBA uh, you know prefers to use as a measure of that sort of core inflation and so that makes me think you know (laughs) the RBA is desperately trying to get inflation expectations um, well down but not baked in because once you have those inflation expectations baked in then it becomes a bit of a spiral doesn't it well uh, that inflationary read, wh- wh- I mean, it was sort of across the board, but cost of rents really stood out to me, Scotty. Yeah, cost of rents, it's still quite uh, subdued, but it uh, doesn't go in and take into account all the other uh, the flow of uh, new rental increases. But you know the turnover that happens in the rental market, a lot of short-term leases out there, six months, 12 months, and so you'd imagine that that would go and be pretty responsive and we'll see quite an uplift and acceleration in rents coming through, as we've seen in other developed countries 
recently, but also the cost to go and build a home. Mm-hmm. No surprise when I started doing any renovations or anything recently. Without that home builder subsidy, costs have skyrocketed up over 20% over the year. No real surprises at the uh, the headline or the, un- uh, the underlying inflation measures for me because it's been a trade around the world. So we're seeing inflationary pressures go and exceed expectations here, there and everywhere. And in the end, Australia, despite what the RBA's assertion is, is not too much different to the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, labor shortages, of course, leading to some of those costs rising in the house construction industry. And then you've got the, you know, the federal government looking to stimulate housing again. I know that it's it's not for some time from the measures, this new housing accord that was announced in the budget, but still, you know, it just goes to sort of accentuate that some of those um, uh, imposts coming from the demand side of the equation will continue. So yeah, the inflation is one that has the banks, you know, I've seen a raft of banks and now forecasting that we will see a hike coming through in December. So even those that had anticipated that the uh, the RBA might be able to pause in December, we now are expecting, you know, ANZ comes to mind. Um, they are expecting now to see a hike coming through in that December month. So, you know, not any huge expectations for, you know, a more aggressive hike as in 50 basis points or, you know, God forbid, 75 basis points here, but just those sort of consistent consistent, um, you know, hikes to, to continue to quell demand in the economy, which, you know, the RBA is not alone in wanting to do. Um, yeah, yeah. What, it, it's, it's, it's a complicated picture. You know, I really don't envy central bankers right now. You had uh, Christopher Kent earlier in the week trying to talk about how, you know, trimmed weighted inflation due to the weakness of the Australian dollar is not as, you know, pronounced as one might think at at first glance, but you know this data today just kind of reinforces the very, very, um, you know, very, very tight, tight rope that that these central bankers are walking. Yeah, and it's uneven across the economy. I had a few spies down at Ryan's Bar at lunchtime today. I heard it was a lovely day in Sydney, and they said the place was absolutely jammed. So Sydney's well to do, and I'm, I'm probably imagining other parts around the country similar trends have been seen are still humming along. People aren't uh, no being warned and are not are not paring back their spending. They are getting out there and enjoying themselves. And uh, yeah, it makes you wonder because I know it's in aggregate terms that uh, the RBA has to go and deal with the sledgehammer of monetary policy. So where it ends up, it's anyone's guess. So they've stepped down to, to 25 from here and it looks like that will be the, the uh, modus operandi for the time being. But uh, I agree, there might have to be a lot more uh, tightening coming through or being in 25 basis point increments. And then of course, I uh, have to go and pause and let the impact go and be felt because it's gonna take a while to filter through this economy. Yeah, ANZ now expects the cash rate to peak at 3.85%. So you and I, Scotty, will be getting a few of those envelopes in the mail, letting us know about our new interest rate uh, coming from the banks. Well, unless you've got it all fixed, but um, <laughs> I'm not oh, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all fixed and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission to get rid of everything that's remaining. <laughs> well, good for you, Scotty. I like hearing that. Frugality is a an asset in my books. All right. Um, brought my lunch today. We'll say not contributing to that surge in spending uh, on this beautiful day in Sydney. I've got to say, if I had my way, I probably would have been sitting al fresco this afternoon. It's gorgeous. Okay, let's get to equities, shall we? Because, uh, yes, still a positive day for this local market, but you couldn't help but keep an eye on e-minis in the U.S. today after we got some of that disappointing 
um, data coming from the quarterly earnings season there. So we have seen E-minis coming under pressure, both the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, but more pronounced for some of the pressure coming through in the NASDAQ after we had um, Alphabet, Microsoft disappointing. But adding to that, it was GE, it was Mattel. So reporting big slowdowns in growth and or warning that things were going to get worse. A little bit of the gloss starting to come off this quarterly reporting season in the States. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the big boppers at uh, bat again in the next, uh, next 24 hours, Apple and Amazon. Uh, talk about uh, some big players uh, to go and try and rival what we saw last night. But uh, anything uh, like we've seen over the last 24 hours when it comes to the scale of those declines, particularly for Alphabet, well, we will have a problem there for, because they are the last of the other bastions of strength we're seeing in this U.S. equity market. If they start to go and falter and the Fed shows no sign of doing this fabled pivot, well, where does it go and take us? It takes us to lower earnings and probably lower equity valuations. I just note that uh, Deutsche Bank, ahead of the European Open, or as Europe sort of starts to open, has reported a really big jump in profits, a big slump in deal-making, but investment banking revenues rose. And I just mentioned that because it's a little bit of a precursor to what we get here for the remainder of the week. So don't forget we get A and Z results out tomorrow. So we'll be looking for we'll be looking for net interest margins and how that's going and impacting uh, cash profit. We'll also be looking for costs, how A and Z is going to be controlling costs. We know that that's an issue at the banks as well. And we will be looking for any sort of progress that A and Z is making in terms of capturing more of that. Uh, mortgage market, plus the commentary clearly on how ANZ sees the economy and its mortgage holders being able to pay up as interest rates rise. We've got ANZ. We also have Macquarie out with an update on Friday. So we'll be starting to get more information from the local banks here, Scuddy, which will also go a long way to sort of informing our view on how this market's going to travel toward the end of the year. You know, we are almost in November it's pretty crazy to think that, but with the banks and the miners such a big component when it comes to this, um, you know, the ASX 200 index, uh, any information we get from the big banks is uh, is going to go a long way. You'd say so. And uh, the bar, I imagine, has probably been set fairly low, so we'll see whether ANZ can go and um, breeze past those expectations when it goes and releases that update. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a good litmus test and uh, particularly you know, real-time analysis of what's going on when it comes to you know, any signs of stress in the household sector. Certainly the ANZ spending data that comes to the credit card and debit card side of the equation. Uh, listening to uh, Adelaide Timbrell earlier this week, uh, she's painting a very, very rosy picture about what's going on on that side. If that's what's being transferred across to you know, what's going on with the mortgage market, well, maybe there is grounds to be optimistic that we could go and avoid a downturn and maybe have a soft landing. Okay, let's get to some equity specifics because we had, um, yeah, a number of really big moves. Medibank, worst day on because of this data breach, you know, that story continues to go really poorly. So it's worst intraday session on record, confirming it will take a $25 million hit to its first half earnings from costs related to that data breach that uh, was made up of data of all of its customers. So we've watched Medibank getting hit um, on the plus side. We saw Costa Group really taking off today. And that was after it had a bit of a, um, a bit of a, you know, injection. Really, it's got um, Payne Schwartz 
acquiring shares, so jumping the most in one and a half years on that news. In some of the smaller end of the market, we saw Prosper Group rising, posting really strong quarterly revenue. Um, we also, though, had the likes of Freelancer hitting its lowest point ever again on quarterlies. So we're getting a lot of data in some of these smaller companies coming from these quarterly results. So Freelancer, pretty negative there. Um, Scuddy, we had a bit of a, a change in tack for the call stock of the day. It's related to the budget, but also related to you know some of the nation's biggest companies, and that being the miners. Um, you know, the budget forecasting falling uh, commodity prices, which I don't think anything anybody disputes. But but Kashi's point to his guests was that maybe the government is being very, very um, conservative uh, in terms of its forecasting going forward. So uh, I know that you'd agree uh, that maybe the government's sort of overcooking those numbers. Um, he spoke with Carl Capulinga, who obviously has a lot of miners uh, in his sights, and also Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial Group. Let's take a listen. I've said uh, so. Coking coal down to sixty. Yep. Uh, doesn't look. No, I don't think that's realistic right. at all. No. I mean, that's just silly. That's stupid. Right. No, have a look at that chart. Yeah. Um, e even if you go and look at the long-term averages, I mean, you've got to go five years ago. And the and the thing is, um, I mean, we all know the narrative. We love the narrative on this show, and I'm I'm yeah. one of the the coal the coal bulls. You know that. Yeah. Is that <laughs> there's 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 not as much um, investment in coal to sustain. To bring supply. Uh, well, to, yeah. to, to bring, yeah, exactly, supply down to where it was five years ago. No, no chance. Thermal. I mean, coking coal's got more chance of coming down further than thermal, I think. Yeah. So I don't know if they tied the bow around that so much as, you know, what companies to buy or sell or companies looking for commodities exposure, which you would want to buy or hold or sell. But, um, yeah, both of the guests, I think, agreed that, uh, yeah, that, that perhaps commodity prices wouldn't fall as far as the government has projected and Treasury's projected as well. No, and I agree wholeheartedly. I, was, uh, I nearly spat out my uh, red wine when I saw the uh, updated figures came through last night. I was uh, surprised that they stuck with such conservative forecasts and uh, certainly went and weighed on nominal GDP estimates, and that uh, also impacts revenue estimates moving forward as well. There is upside risk, at least in the near term, thanks to that. Yeah, you know, we had um, some analysis, and you can find it online, about what companies may or may not benefit specifically in relation to this uh, budget. Um, you know, Aussie Broadband was one that was mentioned earlier. You know, there's going to be a bit of an extension of the NBN, up by 1.3%. But one company I didn't mention that I think is worthwhile talking about is Elmo Software. It shares up more than 40, 40%. So there is a an acquisition on the table by K1. And it's just, I think, indicative of what's going on in the Aussie tech space. So any company that's sort of got prospects deemed to be reasonable, even in the face of rising interest rates, and because share prices have been so so suppressed, um, you know, it looks as if a lot of these companies are in play. And today it was Elmo Software's turn. Brings me to a tech company that I had a chat about today with Stephen Wood from Iger Capital, um, Life360. Look, he's really bullish on it. He reckons that it could become profitable earlier rather than later. But Scotty, it's available via the show notes if you listen. I mean, I had to ask. Yes, he's uh, looking at Life360 favorably. But, you know, the point is you still have to be very careful with a lot of these Aussie tech companies that are listed that are still burning through cash. You need to have a path 
to profitability. And uh, yeah, that's what investors are wanting from these quarterly reports that are coming out with very mis mixed results. Yeah, absolutely. And Life360, like a lot of the tech sector, has uh, been absolutely hammered and then some. So uh, yeah, much cheaper levels to go and buy it. Uh, but whether you know buying at a lower level means success, well, we'll find out. Yeah, well, only time will tell. But yeah, $500 million takeover offer from a US firm on the table for Elmo Software. We will, uh, yeah, we will um, continue to follow that one. Danny Lessam, so chief executive, major shareholder, you know, looking like uh, he's negotiated pretty well on that front and done well with the business. So we'll see how that ends up. Um, am I missing anything today? I kind of feel like, you know, with the budget, uh, with a lot of these quarterlies, with U.S. earnings, and with the inflation read, you know, our attention was really, really split. I guess tonight, again, it will be all about uh, is bad news good news? What does that do to interest rate expectations in the United States? We get, well, not major um, data, we get weekly mortgage applications, we get new home sales, we get the goods trade deficit and data on retail and wholesale inventories. The retail inventories might be interesting, but yeah, it, it all, it's all coming back to central banks and that includes the Bank of Canada tonight, which will be handing down its interest rate decision. It's been pretty aggressive. Yeah, your mate uh, Tiff Macklem, bad at Ottawa, and he's, uh, yeah, he's going to do a 75 uh, basis point hike. Maybe, maybe. Could be a little bit more, but uh, yeah, and, and, and let's see what he signals afterwards because that's going to be a key one. But uh, a heavily indebted, uh, no, very similar kind of economy to Australia. Uh, let's see how, uh, how they're going to play it because they're in a very different approach, at least so far, in contrast to what we're seeing from the RBA. Different mortgage market structure, of course, but uh, yeah, quite an interesting divergence. So we'll see how he goes and, and plays it from here. We'll be talking about TIFF tomorrow, I dare say. Uh, look, Scotty, I know when you, you're doing a lot of your market wraps and a lot of us have been watching Novonix's share price this week, we kick it off. We'll be speaking with Dr. Chris Burns, the Novonix CEO at 8.30. I think it's really worthwhile to get the latest coming from that company. There was some more news out today. Um, yeah, it's been kicking goals, so we want to find out the details on that. I hate saying wanna. We would like to find out the details on that and we will do so from 8 30 a.m uh look you know who will you be talking to on the big picture tomorrow because i still think that this conversation obviously about inflation and and, and how markets interpret that here in australia will be pretty live as well it's going to be my mate uh, cheryl murphy from ey and, uh, she's got a quite a, a poignant uh, note that's uh, released and i'm uh, not afraid to go and tell it how she thinks it should be and uh says there's a lot more tough decisions to come down the pipeline. So looking forward to that chat tomorrow at 11.40 uh, a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I'll be speaking with a lord tomorrow, Scotty. Are you impressed? Lord Peter Cuddis. <laughs> I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> no, I knew you would. Um, no, so he is the CEO of CMC Market Stockbroking, and so he will be joining us in studio at 10 a.m. So I'm really interested. He's a big Boris Johnson fan. A big Boris Johnson fan. You can uh, Google why, uh, perhaps. And um, I'll be finding out what he thinks Boris is going to do next, what he makes of the UK economy, the UK political landscape, and London as a financial centre. I think that's a really important uh, question now. So that's at 10 o'clock. I hope you can join us for that. And the day goes on. Don't forget, we've got Wicked Problems uh, debuting at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, for all of you advisors out there, 
uh, really important questions being answered in this series. So that's from 1 to about 1.20, So, yeah, it's another great day here at Ausbiz tomorrow. Um, I'm, I'm sort of budgeted out for now. Shall we call it a day? Let's call it a day. We'll go and uh, regroup for some uh, cathodes uh, and a graphite cathode discussion. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to kick off the day. I'm looking forward to that. We'll, uh, we'll see you then. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.